Hey, good morning, friends. Great to see you guys, and a special welcome to you if you're a guest. We're so glad you're with us. A special welcome to those of you watching online from hospitals and different states. We're just glad that you're with us right now, live as well. And yes, today we are wrapping up a study that we've been in called The Pursuit of Purpose in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been in this book for a couple months now. And in a nutshell, uh, God used a wealthy and wise king, a teacher, from over 3,000 years ago to pin these words and to convey to us through personal experience that uh, man tends to look for purpose and meaning and fulfillment, hope and joy, and all that's offered in a phrase he said, under the sun. That we're looking for purpose and meaning in all the offerings of earth, and he basically says it can't be found. And we're going to look at the last two chapters. In fact, I invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. We're going to be looking at various verses in those two chapters today. He says, uh, I want to summarize what I've learned. I want to summarize what I have discovered. And uh, if I were to basically try to capture that, I want to try to capture it visually, not just audibly. And so basically what uh, this teacher, this Kohelet says, he says, there's a day that we're born, right? Where there's been a day that all of us uh, had that moment in the crib. And then he said, there's also a day that we will die. And uh, there's an urn, and it's a lot um, lighter than a casket or a uh, headstone, so I brought that. And yes, it's empty. I just want you to... (laughs) One of the worship leaders this morning saw me bring this out, and I looked at them and said, my grandma's in there. And she looked at me and said, no, I'm just just kidding. And so... um, Anyways, there's a day that we're born, there's a day that we die, and basically what the teacher does is he spends all this time saying, now this window in between is life under the sun. The day we're born, the day we die, and then here's this life where we move from here to here, and we have no idea when this moment's going to happen, right? Like, it might take a long time as that timer starts, it might take a long time for us to get there, or tragedy could strike. And we're there before we know what happens. Or loved ones are there before we know what happens. Or we get a diagnosis and we're there a lot quicker. The bottom line is, there's this life under the sun. That phrase is used over 30 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, you've heard the pastors that have been teaching through this series also use another phrase, above the sun. Because if basically the teacher is saying, I've looked at all the life under the sun, and you're not going to find purpose there, you're not going to find meaning there, you're not going to find fulfillment there, where are we going to find it? Well, then we're going to find it above the sun. And we know that we have one who's above the sun. We have our God, the the one who made us and loves us and, and wants to be in relationship with us. And so we want to find purpose and meaning and fulfillment and joy and hope above the sun because it's not going to be found under the sun. And so this under the sun mindset is one that's mortal and earthly and finite and distant from God. And the teacher had this journey where he looked through that lens. And then when we think about above the sun, this is basically a mindset and a life that's heavenly and eternal and infinite and spiritual and meaningful and an intimate relationship with God. And so when we close this book of Ecclesiastes, and we look at the summary of what he's saying about what he's learned under the sun and the one above the sun, I think a big idea of what we can grab onto today is this. Live for the one above the sun while you're here under the sun. Live for the one above the sun while you're living your life here under the sun. I think some of us can get that. We go, okay, that's a great idea. But how? How do we do that? 
And so as we look at these last couple chapters, this really is a summary, a conclusion of Ecclesiastes, I think we can get some insights from the journey of this teacher, this Koheleth in the, in the Hebrew. And so I want to share with you some of those insights that we can grab about how we can live for the one above the sons. The first we can see is living for the one above the sun while here under the sun means taking risks. It means taking risks. Look at with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says this, he says, cast your bread. And that's just a phrase that can mean grain or seed. It doesn't necessarily mean like open up a package of bread, you know. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. It's going to come back to you. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. And so this is an illustration that comes from a very agrarian culture where people would constantly be sowing seeds. And oftentimes people would be hesitant to cast seed, to sow seed on uh, soil that had water on it, especially next to the river and the riverbanks. Because like, what's the point? If I put seed next to the water, it's just going to go into the water. It'll never sprout. It'll never take root. And he's saying, no, no, no. Cast your bread upon the waters because some seed might actually take root. Because when the waters leave the banks and dry up, some of the seeds might get planted in through the, you know, the walking on of animals or people or just get rooted in the soil. Cast your seed because your bread will come back to you. And then he talks about this generosity. In fact, you know what? Diversify. And then give out what you have seven to eight full. And so he's speaking about generosity. Who is going to cast seed in a place that's risky? A risk taker. And so he's saying life about living for the one above the sun is about taking risk because life's uncertain. Look at verses 11, 4 with me. He says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What's he saying here? Well, what's the demotivator for people that, that need to sow seed? There are going to be some people that they're going to look at the wind, they're going to look at the clouds, and they'll go, oh, it's just not ideal conditions. It's not ideal conditions. Any little breeze, any, any little water droplet, ah, I can't, I can't harvest. I can't put the seed out there. I can't plant. And so this person's going to wait for ideal conditions. And what he's saying is, you can't do that. Don't wait for ideal conditions because they may never come. You have to plant in order to harvest. Without risk, there's no reward. And so you got to take risk, plant, you know, put it out there and see how God will bring back. You have to plant to harvest. It's better to get some than none. He continues to stop. Look at verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know what will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. He's saying take action. Take risk. Plant seeds. Then look for what God grows. Not all risks bring reward, but some do. And so he's talking about this. Now, some of us here are paralyzed from experiencing the joys that come with fully living for God because we won't take risks. This has been a theme for us this year. We've talked about growing as risk takers, spiritual risk taking, that we would you know, get into God's word and grow spiritually on levels maybe we haven't grown before, to, to be risky and to stretch ourselves. We've talked about being conversational risk takers, that we're people who are going to ask those next series of questions that may, maybe our culture says, oh, you can't go there. When someone says, you know, when you say, how are you doing? And someone says, fine. And your spidey sense says, no, they're not fine. A conversational risk taker will say, well, are you really good? How are you really doing? You know, like conversational risk takers, relational risk takers, building relationships with people who are different than us, repairing relationships that are broken, just moving into deeper relationships with our neighbors and the people that God's put around our life in our three-foot zone. 
And so we need to be risk takers, but some of us are missing out on the joys of serving God because we're waiting for ideal conditions. Maybe when I'm older, maybe when I have more time, maybe when I have more money, maybe when it feels safe. Faith isn't faith when the outcome is predictable. We've got to be risk takers if we want to experience the joy, and we've got we to plant the seeds out there, put the seeds on the water, and just see what happens. And be willing to be generous and willing to be risk-taking for the Lord. Now, uh, we don't want to be risky in a foolish way. It needs to align with God's word. It needs to glorify Jesus. But we can't be people who aren't willing to take risk if we're going to live for the one above the sun. And so as missionaries living for the one above the sun, it's going to be demonstrated in our level of risk, how we pray, how we serve, how we give, how we act in a different level. Let me give you an example of that very recent. I got an email last week. This came in just from our general email on our website. It's probably one of my favorite emails since I've been pastoring here. It's from a guy named Kyle. I I just want to read you what he said. I kind of trimmed it down and summarized a bit. But basically, he tells a story that just makes me super proud as a pastor of CVC. He says, I was following my fiance Marianne home from work when the motor in my truck threw a rod and shut off, and I slowly coasted to a stop in front of a house of a family who attends your church. Some of you are thinking, life house. You're thinking three-foot rule, right? As I, um, I was frustrated and near tears since this time in our lives is the lowest financially. I've been out of work for months, and as I sat there, I looked up and saw Matt at my passenger door, ready to help in any way he could. He proceeded to pull me with his truck into his driveway and out of harm's way. As oil leaked all along the driveway, I couldn't have felt more apologetic for the mess I caused. Matt never stopped smiling and continuing to let me know it's okay. Matt tried, as well as his wife Sarah, to have us join them for dinner. As hungry as I was, I knew my wife wasn't comfortable with how she looked, and so I said no. As we sat in the car, I saw Matt cleaning up the oil in the driveway, and I got out of the car and asked if I could help. And that's when he handed me an envelope with a letter, $20 bill, and a card from your church, and refused to let me say no. And he attached a picture. He, he laid these out and attached a picture and sent it over uh, with this email. He said, it was hard to hold back the tears, but I did until the tow truck arrived. Marianne looked into the envelope and immediately saw my face and burst into tears. She got out, gave Matt a big hug, hug, disregarding her no-makeup pajama look. And as we drove home, my emotions overtook me, and we held hands, and we looked at each other, and a glow and immediate warmth was brought into our hearts and spread throughout our whole souls to realize that there are still amazing people out there and to experience a confirming presence of God overseeing this event. Matt and Sarah's open hearts helped show us the light inside our hearts was still there and could shine bright as ever if we just had faith in the Lord and let him be our light that helps us see the way out of the darkness. We are forever grateful for Matt and Sarah. And then he says this, and if others at your church are exactly like them, I think we found the right church to start coming to and learn even more about what God has to offer us. That's risk-taking. Because you know in those situations, it's like, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I'll just call someone, whatever. And this family in our body just said, no, this, this, it's our watch, it's our time. I believe we do have a church full of people like this. There are missionaries, we're life houses, we have the three-foot zone. You know, this Kyle gentleman and I have been emailing back and forth, and on his second email, he said this, he goes, good news, I found a job doing local driving. After opening up my heart to God again, 
and actually paying attention to possible signs of his intended directions for me, I realized that ultimately my truck was a financial burden. And perhaps the Lord took it into his hands to show me to shake off that burden and focus on the things I need to repair in my and Marianne's life. Marianne and I prayed the next morning for the first time together. We both seem more eager to include God in our lives, all because of Matt and Sarah. Please, we'd like to ask that during a Sunday sermon, you could tell our story. Well, you absolutely got it. And so, man, to live for the one, absolutely, praise God. That's glory to God. In this life under the sun, difficult things happen to us, around us. But if we're living for the one above the sun, then we look at what happens with this time that we have under the sun, and we're willing to be risk takers. We're willing to step out and do things that don't feel safe and don't feel comfortable because of the one who loves us and made us. Now, taking risks for Jesus is huge. And I want to just ask you to take a little personal assessment. We're going to do this several times through this message on the issue of risk taking. How would you assess yourself? Here's a little slide that has this question on it. And I'm going to ask you to rate yourself. True of me, often true, sometimes true, rarely true, not true. Because life's uncertain, I am taking appropriate faith-based risks with relationships and resources. What would you give yourself? You don't have to turn to your neighbor necessarily, but that's a great conversation for afterwards. When, you, when you're going out to lunch or you're driving home, maybe you can ask each other the questions, hey, what'd you put for the risk-taking thing? How, which one did you feel lowest on? Which one did you feel highest on? What's some action steps? But I want you just to assess this. Lord, as I try to live for you, the one above the sun, how am I doing in this area of risk-taking to make a difference under the sun? The other insight we can get from the life and journey of this teacher about how to live for the one above the sun is enjoying creation. Not just taking risks, but enjoying creation. Part of living for the one above the sun is enjoying what he's made under the sun. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.7. He says, Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. People in Cleveland get this. (laughs) We love the sun, man. We love when spring comes and the green comes and it's just time. It's those days where, you know, you roll down the windows or pop open the sunroof or roll the top back or get on the motorcycle or take the cover off the Jeep and drive through a metro park with the music up and life just seems so good and so right. Man, we, we, we enjoy what God has made. So you got to remember, life under the sun isn't full of bad. Life under the sun isn't bad. When God made everything in Genesis, it says, when God made everything, he said it was Good. So yeah, so there's good under here, but it's corrupted by sin. And we know that there's difficulty that comes with it. But one of the best ways we can enjoy living for the one above the sun is enjoying what he's created under the sun. And so we have those days. Look at uh, verse 8, chapter 11. He says, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Get that? Let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many All that comes is vanity. And so whatever amount of days that God gives you, whatever amount of sand that God gives you while you're here under the sun, enjoy them all. The tough days will teach us and shape us and build character. And the pain uh, holds lessons that we can learn no other way. But the good things are also provided by God for enjoyment and pleasure. It's okay to enjoy what God has made. Just we're aware that darker days will come, so let's make the best of the good days. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 and 10. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know 
that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Now he's starting to hone in a message to the younger folks. And so if you're in your teens and 20s, this is definitely uh, extra for you. Everything applies to all of us. But there's definitely an extra layer of application now for those of you in your teens and 20s. Enjoy your youth. Have fun doing what's right and enjoyable in the sight of God. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain. He's saying don't let stress grip you. Don't let stress grip you. He's also, another way to understand what he's saying here is deal with your junk while you're young, right? Deal with some of your junk while you're young. Avoid situations that will produce pain. Decisions that made when young will have a lifelong shelf life of consequences. While you're young, try to purge the dysfunctions now before they do greater damage, right? And some of my friends in the non-teens and 20s are saying amen in their spirits, right? You can say amen out loud. It's okay because you know this is true. Now, some of you are creating unnecessary stress at a young age. You've got relationship drama you don't need. You've got um, activities out, the, you know, eyeballs. You're trying to overachieve. You can't find a spare minute. And to be honest, some of us parents aren't helping. Sometimes we're the ones imposing that type of stress into our kid's life. What's the pace of your family? What are the values of the family? If a stranger were to pull your grandkids or kids aside and say, based on what you see and hear and is modeled from your parents, what would you say are the top one or two values of your family? Is it success? Is it activity? Is it money? What is it? And so sometimes as parents and grandparents, we're not helping with this removing of the vexation. Are we driving them to do things that really don't matter in the big picture or years down the road? Part of living under the sun is enjoying the good offerings under the sun, provided by the one over the sun, but we don't want to sabotage it by just creating so much stress that we can't even enjoy. We know that life's a blur. Do we want to just make life so blurry that when we look back, we can't even remember I don't remember being 15 or 16. I don't remember being 22. Like, what happened? Now rejoice in your youth. And so this is true for all of us. We can enjoy what God has made. And it helps us celebrate and worship him. Enjoy God by hiking or biking through a park. Fishing. Reading a book, especially his word. Sit and talk with friends around a fire. Play a game with family or friends. Go on a hot date with your spouse. Spend a few bucks and go have a nice meal, see a play, or go explore a new place. Have regular family meals, all to God's glory. As a big thank you to God for what he's made. Part of living for the one above the sun is enjoying the ordinary. It's appreciating the good. It's savoring life's pleasures in a way that honors Jesus. It's good for our soul. So it's a self-assessment of how we're doing in this area. How would you answer this question? I'm decreasing stress and increasing joy by enjoying all the good of God's creation. Where would you put yourself on that as far as trying to live for the one above the sun by enjoying what he's made under the sun? Also, living for the one above the sun means sharing wisdom. It means sharing wisdom. If you didn't pick up on it, there's an emphasis on youth in these last two chapters of Ecclesiastes. As the teacher looks back on life, he wants to impart wisdom from what he's learned, especially to those who are coming behind him. The word wisdom is mentioned 26 times in this book. 
Now this Koheleth, that word in the Greek, this teacher, this collector, he's a collector of wisdom. And he passes it on. And God allowed this man to be a living lesson for those who would come after him, including us. Let's look at some of what was written here. Look at Ecclesiastes 12 now. Look at verses 9 through 10. He says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. And the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. See, the teacher collected words that were beneficial, worthy of acceptance, that were correct, that were straight, as God gave him wisdom, and then he shared it with others. Look look at uh, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 12. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. And all the students say amen, right? And there's a ton of books out there. They estimate that there's been over 130 million books. We've got information overload as far as what's written out there. But there's one book that's superior, right? There's one book that's superior above all. One book to rule them all, okay? It's the Word of God. And so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with studying and reading and learning. That's good. But at the end of the day, there's only one word, one collection that needs to be superior in our life. And we do ourselves a disservice and sabotage when we read all these other things and neglect the most important. So God's collected what we need to know. And in this book is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, God provides in his word this instruction, words of truth. These words are like goads. Goads were a small, sharp stick, a pointed end stick that uh, you know, shepherds and cattle drivers would use to poke their animals is to provoke, to guide, to direct. And so God's words, the wisdom that God provides through others and, and, and what he's written in his word provokes us, it directs us, it guides us. And it's like nails firmly fixed. I want you to get the image of a nail being hammered into the wood. That God's wisdom is secure and stable. It holds fast and it fixes. We can fix our life on the wisdom that God has provided in his word. And part of that is this book, Ecclesiastes. Even though it was given over 3,000 years ago by the divine shepherd of God's people, this is not the empty murmurings of some cynical philosopher. It's an inspired, inerrant revelation from God himself through a man who indulged at the highest level. He says, I'm going to dive down and I'm going to indulge in everything under the sun with the years I have to see what I can find. And it was a godless pursuit. He just kind of set aside God said, I'm going to look for meaning right here. And at the end of the day, he goes, as he gets closer to this point, he's looking back going, nothing was worth it. It was vanity. It was meaningless There's nothing under the sun that is going to provide the purpose we're looking for. And so God shares that wisdom with us through him. And in the same way, God has taught you many things through his word and through life. Are you also sharing the wisdom that God is teaching you with others? Are you looking to learn wisdom from the men and women who have gone before you. If you're maybe down here in life, do you have people up here in life that are pouring into you? And if you're up here in life, do you have people down here in life that you're pouring into? You know, who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? You know, uh, this next couple weekends, we have this group connect that Pastor Rick mentioned. We're, we're encouraging you to get life groups for the summer. We'll do one again in the, in the fall. Maybe it's time for some of you to be a little more intergenerational in your life group. 
Maybe for some of you in your life groups, that maybe you're, you have the same people in the same stage of life. Maybe it's time to invite someone in older who's got more wisdom to shake it up a little bit and, and supersize your spiritual growth, right? Maybe it's time for some of you to bring in some young couples into your group and say, we just want to download some of what we have learned about the Lord and life with some younger couples and mutually edify each other and mutually grow. It'd be a benefit to you guys. Also, young adults, an opportunity tonight. Uh, for whatever crazy reason, Pastor Josh is going to put myself and my wife Rika at a panel tonight at 8.30 for young adults. Open fire, any question, okay? They said, ask them anything. That doesn't mean we're going to answer everything. You can ask us. So if you're a young adult or you know young adults, come tonight at 8.30. Uh, let us tell you about some of the biggest mistakes we've made, you know? And hopefully you can learn from some of the bonehead things that we have done. But part of living for the one above the sun when you're down here under the sun is sharing what God has taught you through his word and through life while you're down here with others. So let's look at a self-assessment on that. Where would you grade yourself here? I'm seeking godly wisdom from those older and wiser than me while also speaking and pouring godly wisdom into the next generation. This isn't really a suggestion from God. This isn't really hey, like, hey, if you ever want to try something, this is really an expectation of the Lord that we learn, like, like those who are older and wiser, don't hoard your wisdom. Don't take a disposition of, ah, they got this, I've had my turn, they got it. And for younger folks, man, don't be cocky and don't disrespect the wisdom that's around you. Don't be like, I got it, I got this. We need each other. And so who's pouring into you? Who are you pouring into? Because part of living full and above the sun is sharing the wisdom he's teaching you while you're under the sun. And lastly, what we can see here, that how we can live for the one Above the sun, while we're under the sun, is following Christ. Not only is it about taking risk, enjoying God's creation, sharing wisdom, it's about following Christ. Look at Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. He says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, remember doesn't mean to jog your memory, it's not the concept here, it's to keep in mind. It's to stay in. So remembering your creator means to keep your mind on your creator. It means to stay close to your creator. It means to be in relationship with your creator. Walk with him, love him, live for him. Now, notice the teacher doesn't merely say, remember God. He gets a little bit more specific. He says, remember your creator. This is the one who fashioned you. This is the one who breathed the breath of life into you. This is the one who's giving you unique gifts and functions and abilities to live out his purpose. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Obviously, we need to remember him whatever stage of vitality we have. But again, those teens and 20s have a unique season. It's a unique season with energy and creativity and freedom and margin unlike any other season. And so we have to be willing to follow Christ in those seasons. Remember your creator. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, Chad, your point is following Jesus, but it says here, remember your creator. How did you get from creator to Jesus? Let's clear that up. Now, when we look at the creation account in Genesis, we see in the beginning when our Trinitarian God, who's one God, three persons, created everything, Jesus was actually the agent of creation. Read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was God. The Word was with God. You know, the Word became flesh. Look at Colossians 1.16. Speaking of Christ, it says, For by Him all things were, what? Created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. 
So it's very appropriate for us to translate, remembering your creator means to remember Christ. And remembering Christ means to follow Christ. We've got to follow Christ. So remember your creator. Follow Jesus in your youth. In the once-in-a-lifetime unique season where you have the most vitality and freedom and margin because evil days are coming. Days where what you once found fun and enjoyable will no longer be. I know it's hard for some of you young people to imagine a day when you don't want to or aren't able to play ball or or hang out with your friends as late as you do or go on a strenuous hike or to go to a loud concert. Some of the things that you love now down the road, you won't be able to do or you won't have any interest in doing. And some of you think, yeah, that won't be me. You wait. (laughs) See, point number three, talk to someone older than you and wiser than you. There's unique energy right now in your youthfulness. And the teacher then says, take care of remembering your creator, following Christ while you're young. And then verses two through six of chapter 12, he gives this beautifully bleak, uh, descriptive account, a poetic account of getting old and dying right? He says, he starts talking about, when you look through those verses, he's talking about your memory fading, your hand shaking, your back starts to bend, teeth fall out, eyesight and hearing go, you can't sleep well, you're afraid of falling down, your hair falls out and turns white, and even the desire for food and for sex fades, and then you die. The cord snaps, the bowl breaks, the pitcher shatters, the wheel breaks. What an uplifting little passage of scripture. (laughs) That's what's happening when you get down here. And some of you are down here going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, it's happening. And some of you are down here going like, really? It's like, just wait, you're on your way. When you're young, when you have unique vitality, who gets it? Young people, who's getting all your energy that God's given you? Is 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 it the world? Is it that cute little guy, the cute little girl, are they getting all your fresh energy? Is it, is it just school? Hey, study hard, but is it getting everything? What, what of your energy is Christ getting as a young person? Because you've got, unique, you've got a unique season right now to give to the Lord. Don't squander it on things that won't make a difference or even worse, will hurt you when you're down here. Because, uh, man, raise your hand if you had a decision you made back here that might have took you seconds or minutes that you kind of regret because you're down here. Anyone in the room? Absolutely. Young people, look around. Man. Like, Use this season wisely. I mean, do you think it's going to be easier for you when you're in middle school if you're a kid? Do you think it's going to be easier for you when you're in high school if you're in middle school? Maybe when you're in college. Maybe when you get that job that you work so hard for. Maybe when you start a family. Maybe when you have kids. Maybe when you're an empty nester. Maybe when you're retired. Maybe when you're confined to a walker or your bed. Is that, when's it going to be easier? It's not going to get easier. So, man, give Jesus some of your first fruits now while you're young. Follow Christ now. You know, I, I just threw this out on Facebook last week. I basically asked people who came to faith later in life or got serious about Jesus later in life what were some of the regrets? That feed just blew up like that. It was amazing. Now, many people express that although they see how God used their negative experiences in their life to highlight his love and grace, and they wouldn't change it because it's their story, there are still aspects of their life before Jesus that they wish that were different. They said these types of things, bad choices that stole years of happiness. 
the hurt that they caused other people, years wasted with no benefit or usefulness to the Lord, missed out on years of joy that come with serving Christ, bad relationship choices causing pain, abuse, or divorce, memories they wish they didn't have, unnecessary pain that they experienced. And the number one answer, hands down, sad that they weren't able to raise or influence their kids or their grandkids for Jesus. Because they came to Christ down here when part of them wishes that they would have happened here. So for those of you who are young, follow Jesus. Why? You have this fresh energy, this fresh season. I want to let you know something. Many older, unhappy people were once younger, unwise people. So choose the Lord with the energy you have. You know, 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so... Man, those of you younger, listen to the wisdom that God's giving. Don't think that you're the exception somehow. Listen to what the Lord teaches you. Well, the teacher's ready to close it up. He's ready to deliver his conclusion. After indulging in this godless pursuit of everything under the sun, he concludes it. Look at Ecclesiastes 12 with me, verses 13 and 14. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. His summary from this journey, his summary is this. I've had every resource at my disposal to seek out purpose and meaning in life. He's saying, I have more money than you. I have more possessions than you. I have more accomplishments than you. I got more sex than you. I've got more, you know, all this stuff than you. And at the end of the day, fear God. Keep his commandments. That's the whole duty, that, that, that concept of whole duty. Not a, it's not this obligation. It means the wholeness, the wholeness of man. Our purpose is to have this relationship with God, to fear him and to obey his commands. If you don't know the purpose of your life, then how are you going to live your life? And so God's revealing his purpose here. You know, everything in the universe is subject to God, the one above the sun. I kind of wish that this book ended with verse 13. <laughs> but he gives us verse 14, this whole thing about judgment, just as a reminder that there's going to be a final verdict of, righteous, of a righteous God who knows every secret. Everything that we have done, that we do, that we don't do, will be seen in the light of the final judgment. And the teacher in this last chapter reminds us of what's to come in this moment. Now, here's, the, here's what's so beautiful about this. Is this the end of the game right here? Is this it? This isn't it, right? Because there's life beyond this. So, so we're born, we die, we get the life under the sun in between, but the one above the sun is then going to resurrect us. And we're going to be resurrected to either A, eternal life with Christ, which by the way is a piece of the puzzle that this teacher doesn't have, right? There's not a gospel presence in Ecclesiastes. We kind of have to catapult from it and launch into it because we've got the New Testament. He didn't. And so we see how, you know, for those of us who understand the judgment, the end times, that for those in Christ who believe in Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, they're going to be resurrected to an eternal life with the Lord. Others are going to be resurrected to eternal punishments. Well, which one awaits you after this moment? Because if you think this was bad, and if you don't know Christ after this, before this happens, trouble for eternity. But praise God because of Jesus, amen? Because of his death on the cross, because of his resurrection, we have hope, we have new life, we have a way to say it's not just about fear God, keep his commandments, or here comes the hammer. 
It's out of our fear for God. We've received how he's demonstrated his love for us through Jesus and through the cross. And we'll obey his commands, all right? Commands that Jesus said, love God, love each other like I loved you, love your neighbor, go make disciples. These are the commands that are near and dear to our hearts as New Testament Christians. And so we have a fuller ordered picture of what this man knew. And he talks about this moment. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, God's put eternity into man's heart. Look at 12.5. It says that man goes to his eternal home. Man doesn't go to the unknown. Man doesn't go to the grave. Man doesn't go to darkness. The teacher says he goes to his eternal home, right? Verse 7 in chapter 12. And dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. From dust we came, from dust we to return. And before that moment, life under the sun. And what's going to give you purpose? Living for the one above the sun being in relationship with the one above the sun. It's just so beautiful because then we have the ability to live this life under the sun, also not just under the sun, S-U-N, but under the sun, S-O-N, is the life that we have as believers. You know, John 5, 24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into, what? Judgment, but has passed from death to life. This judgment that the teacher mentions at the end of this life, and you get to here and beyond, there's not going to be that kind of judgment for those who are in Christ. So I hope all of you are in Christ. I hope that you've accepted the Lord into your heart as your Savior, that you've confessed your sin, you've repented, and you've come to him because there's so much more waiting for you after life under the sun that God has for us. So personal assessment as far as following Christ. I'm walking close to Christ while I have my vitality so that I can experience his love, follow his lead, obey his commands, and share his mission. Where would you put yourself? And when you think about all those assessments, I've given you guys some conversation starters for today. Talk about this with your family, with your friends. Think about them. Talk to the Lord. Grow in the areas you need to grow. Celebrate and rejoice and keep strong in the areas that you feel good in. Now, Ecclesiastes has taught us that life is meaningless without the Lord. Nothing under the sun is ours to keep. Nothing under here is ours to keep. And nothing under the sun outside of the gospel of Jesus leads us home. And so we have to be careful about this life. And if life is all about under the sun, I want you to think about this. If life is all about what's under the sun, then nothing matters. It's all a waste. It's all going to be gone. If life under the sun is all that matters, it's a waste. Nothing matters. But... If life under the sun is truly about the one above the sun, then everything matters. Every dollar, every day, every moment, every relationship, every decision, yielded in submission and love and obedience to the one above the sun. That's how we're to live this life for the one above the sun while we're here under the sun. And so how do we live as spouses How do we live as parents? How do we live as children and friends and neighbors and boyfriends and girlfriends and employees and employers? We're to live for the one above the sun. Putting our mind there. Colossians 3 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are what? Above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are what? Above. Not on the things that are on earth. So I wonder what our families would look like. I wonder what our neighborhoods would look like. I wonder what our city would look like. I wonder 10 years from now what Northeast Ohio would look like if we truly lived this way. That while we're here under the sun in this season, if, if we were taking risks, 
If we're enjoying God's creation, if we're sharing wisdom, and if we're following Christ, how would everything look different? As we live for the one above the sun while we're here under the sun. Well, here's my challenge to you. Let's leave this room determined to find out. Let's find out how things will change if we live for the one above the sun while we're here under the sun. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the many lessons, instructions, examples that you've given us through this teacher in Ecclesiastes. Lord, whether it's Solomon or someone else, we're not sure. But God is from you. Thank you that your word is from you for us. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ today. The Lord, as they sit here mulling over what needs to change in their life, God, would you move them in the directions of what needs to be transformed? Lord, do they need to be greater risk takers for you? God, help them to do so. Lord, do they need to stop stressing and making life under the sun so problematic and stressful, Lord, such a blur that they need to stop and just look at your creation and enjoy it? Father, for those of us who need to share wisdom, so many of us need to be on the receiving end. Many of us need to be on the giving end. Lord, maybe take the lessons in your word lessons you've taught us and impart them or learn them from others. And Father, would you also help us to follow Christ? I thank you for the many brothers and sisters in this room that are faithful to follow you. Lord, if they've drifted, would you help them to come back? Lord, I pray for any man or woman watching online right now or in this room that doesn't know you as Savior. God, would you move in their heart that they would take the opportunity to respond to you and come to you and learn about you today. God, thank you for the gifts we're about to receive, Lord. May we give these little trinkets from under the sun back to you so that you can take them and do miraculous things with them and multiply them for the work of your kingdom. God, thank you for the invitation to join you in the building of your kingdom. Help us to do that. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're online, you don't know Jesus, if you're online, would you email us at connect at cvconline.org and we'd love to get in touch with you to tell you more about how you can follow Christ. If you're here today, here's the invitation. Before you leave this room, we're going to have some friends over in the prayer cove that would love to tell you about Jesus. Have the courage, have the strength to go over there and say, I just need to know more about following Christ. They would love to tell you about your next steps to follow Jesus. All of us, let's live for the one above the sun while we're here under the sun. Amen?